So if you were here a couple of weeks ago, and it's okay if you were not, we, we talked about Lazarus. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus who got very sick and died. And Jesus was some distance away and only arrived after Lazarus had died. But he spoke to uh, the two sisters of Lazarus, also friends of his, Mary and Martha. And to Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And from there, he went on to raise Lazarus from the dead, four days dead in Lazarus's case. And it was a very public miracle, and the power of God was displayed. When we talked about that two weeks ago, I, I entitled that sermon, A Preview of Coming Attractions. Today is the main attraction. That miracle of Jesus defeating death for Lazarus was a, a picture for them of how God was going to demonstrate his power uh, in raising Jesus from the dead. And so today we're at the main event, the main attraction. Um, I also like every Easter to make it clear or to remind folks that Easter is when Jesus was raised from the dead. Uh, he died on the cross for our sins, for the sins of the world, but that was on Friday, on Good Friday. That's why we call it good. And that is huge. That is everything. But that's not Easter. That's Friday. What happened on Easter today that we celebrate is that God raised him from death to life. And the reason I chose the, the passage from Romans is that Paul, who wrote Romans, it's a letter to the Christians in the city of Rome, is for one, he mentions the resurrection as, as a key part of that gospel, that good news, and we're going to look at that. But he also explains a little bit later in his uh, letter to the Romans why the resurrection is so important in addition to the cross. He says this, we have been buried with Christ through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So our sin was killed, was buried. When, when Christ died on the cross, our sin died with him, and when he was buried, that old sinful life was buried with him. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is that God raised him in power, and with him, we're still attached to Jesus. When we trust in him, we are raised to a new life, a new start. And so I want to look today at the introduction to Romans, at, at I mean, it's full, just to be an introduction, I mean, it's just basically the Dear Romans part of the letter, because it goes on for 15 chapters after this. But just in that Dear Romans part, there's so much packed in, and it, it centers on the resurrection of Jesus. I want to walk through that with you this morning, um, because it helps explain some of the, the so what of the resurrection. Why is that important uh, in general for the world and for us as believers? So I want to yeah I want to start with um, the good news and talk about what is the good news because Paul introduced himself uh, by saying he was a servant of Jesus he was called in his as an apostle and he was set apart his his mission was for the gospel or the good news of God and so I want to start with what is that good news and it's in two parts just in this introduction to Romans it's that Jesus was promised and that Jesus was presented. And I'll get to the presented part in just a minute. But first, in verses 2 and 3, he talks about that the good news, God promised good news going way back, way back into the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament. And there the, the prophet spoke of an anointed one, a Messiah, who God would send. He would come and restore Israel. He would be a king. He was promised to be 
of the, the line of David, the descendant of David. And so that's why it's important in several of the Gospels in our New Testament, they start with the genealogy of Jesus to show he is a fulfillment of those, those promises, those prophecies. He is a descendant of David. Uh, Joseph was a descendant of David. Um, and so, and, and as you walk through Jesus' ministry, you see him fulfilling those things that were promised long ago. And so he, he does miracles and causes the blind to see and the lame to walk. And those who are oppressed, whether spiritually, emotionally, physically, he, he unlooses all that. And that's a fulfillment of prophecies in Isaiah and others. And Jesus announced that. In Luke, at the beginning of his ministry, he said, all this was promised long ago in Isaiah, and it's fulfilled today in your hearing. It's like, I'm getting started with this. And he talked about the kingdom of God come to earth. I mean, he kept connecting dots back to what was promised beforehand. And so uh, Paul writes, the good news God promised beforehand through his prophets in the scriptures concerning his son, this Messiah. He would be a descendant of David. Even last week when we talked about Jesus riding the donkey through the gate into Jerusalem, that was part of what was uh, promised, would happen. One day when the Messiah comes, he will ride a donkey through the gate into Jerusalem. And so Jesus was fulfilling all of these promises. And people started to recognize that more and more as he did these miracles, these signs of God's power, as he... He, he fulfilled the things that the Messiah was supposed to fulfill, and, and the crowds were getting bigger and bigger. It started to threaten the religious folks. It started to worry the, uh, the Romans that he might cause some trouble. So you get all the way to his arrest on Thursday, his Friday crucifixion. And if he's the one you'd pinned your hopes to, oh, is he the Messiah? Is he the one? Look at all these things he does. It would have seemed like complete failure, right? They, they took him down. They killed him. They put him to death. And I can't even imagine, the, well, for us, I was about to say the long wait through Saturday, but for all they knew, the long wait was forever, right? Saturday wasn't any harder than all the rest of the days were going to be because Jesus had died. So that's what was promised. But then Paul goes on in verse 4 and, and following to say, that's not the end. But God demonstrated, God declared Jesus the Son of God through the resurrection on that, that Easter morning when Jesus, the tomb was empty and Jesus was alive and people saw him. He was declared, this is the Son of God. He is the Holy One. He is the Messiah. That word um, declared that's in the scripture can be translated as demonstrated or shown. And I, I used presented because I think it presents us with a faith choice, right? Do I, here's all these promises of God you can read about in the Old Testament, but that, that resurrection event is where God presented him as everything he said he was and victorious over death, but you still, we still have to decide what do you do with that? In Jesus' day, um, immediately when the, the tomb went empty, there were theories that started to arise. These are not recent theories, they started all the way back then. Maybe he just fainted on the cross. They put him in the tomb and he snuck out. Or maybe his, his followers you know, took the body and hid it somewhere so that they could claim he was risen. But if you read the accounts we read this Thursday night, um, when Jesus was on the cross, they were trying to speed up the death and they had a soldier, a Roman soldier, go around to verify or to hasten the death of those hanging on the cross. And he realized Jesus was dead and stabbed him in the side with a spear, um, and the, 
the way the, the blood and water flowed from his body, it was clear he was dead. The Roman soldiers, that was their job. They knew what alive and dead was. And that was someone you could go ask, was Jesus dead or was he fainted on the cross? And that, that soldier, that would have been more than ample proof he was dead. He was dead. And as to the, the hiding the body theory, the gospel writers go to great lengths, and Paul goes to great lengths, to name all the people who Jesus appeared to. Uh, he appeared to the, the women, and then to the disciples, and then uh, to hundreds that are listed, and we, we read this at the, um, the sunrise service. Paul says many of those, he was writing 30 years later, they're still alive. You can go interview tens and hundreds of people who saw Jesus, who touched him, who had a meal with him, um, that can verify he is alive. He has risen from the dead. So again, that leaves us with, this is what we're presented with. You can believe it or not. Uh, but the resurrection, Easter, part of why it, it's a big deal, the so what of is it, it, it is God presenting to us, this is my Messiah, my son. So what do you do with that? Paul ends, uh, maybe, maybe verses 5 through 7, with this. Well, he, he says, at the very end of what we read in verse 7, he says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the claim, that he is the Lord, Jesus Christ. Uh, but he also says in verse 5, after talking about this resurrection and all this, he says, it's through Jesus we have received uh, grace, apostleship. He lists all these things that we're going to look through in just a second. But he changes from I language, I Paul, I'm called, I'm an apostle, I'm sent, to now it's we. It's for those who have believed what's been presented in Christ. And so if, that, if you have believed in that, all that we're getting ready to look at, these six things, that's for us. Paul says, for those who believe, this is what Jesus invites us to, calls us to. I want to list six things. Grace, right? Through Jesus, we have received grace. What is grace? It is a gift. It is God's kindness. It is forgiveness and love and adoption and calling and purpose all rolled up into one. It is welcome. It is belonging. It's saying... Um, I want you and you are mine and come be a part of what I'm doing. That's all God's grace through Christ, through this one who, was, who died for us and was raised for us. Um, we've received grace. We also have received apostleship, and that's probably going to scare every last one of us, including me. It's like, well, I'm not sure I'm an apostle. All that means, that's just an old word that means someone God has sent. It's saying that if you, if you believe what's presented about Jesus is true, God has some work for you and me to do, and he sends us to do that. So he's given us his grace, and now he has a, a mission, in other words, or a ministry or purpose for each of us. In short, we talked about this Thursday night too, uh, one of the last things Jesus did with his disciples was wash their feet. He served them. He loved them. And he said to them, as I have loved you, as I have served you, I command you to go love and to serve others in my name. I mean, that's the, in a nutshell, if you want the mission, the, the thing we're sent to, that we're supposed to be apostles about, it's to go and love and serve our neighbors, love and serve the world, the community, others in Christ's name. It's also to bring about obedience, the obedience of faith. And that is that being a Christian, believing in Jesus, is not just a, a state of being. 
It's like out, now I have my ticket punched. I have my, my name tag that says Christian. Well, this one says pastor, but um, you know, it's not something you get and you put on a shelf like a certificate. When you trust in Christ, there is a mission. And a mission requires obedience. It's saying, yes, I will do what you've asked me to do. I will go where you've asked me to go. I will live as you have asked me to live. Not because it, it earns God's favor, gets us into heaven, but it's because the one that we trust has asked us to do this. So that's the obedience. And it's for us as well as part of our message is Christ calls us to obedience, to follow him. And then the faith, the obedience of faith, faith is... Believing the, the testimony, believing the promises of Scripture and how Christ has been presented to us by God in power, raised, um, Lord and Savior. It is, it is the message, obedience and faith. And then I didn't want to, I missed this the first time. I jumped right to the end, to the call, but then I saw snuck in there um, for those, uh, to all who are beloved of God. I don't want to miss that. It's not all about mission and doing and believing and thinking. Simply, God loves you. You are, in Christ, beloved of God. I said a little while ago, it's welcome, it's belonging. It's knowing that God loves you. In fact, that's you know, one of the famous, most famous verses of Scripture, John 3.16, that talks about what Jesus did on the cross. It's all rooted in, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? God loves you. And then the sixth thing that's in there twice, so can't miss it, is if you've trusted in what God, who God has presented Jesus to be by raising him from the dead, you are called. That is, you have a purpose, a God-given purpose. Um, and you're going to see what comes after that, and you're like, oh, wait, called as saints? What do you mean? I'm not, a, I'm not an apostle or a saint. All saint, if all apostle means is you're sent, all saint means, all saint means is that you are set apart. It, it just means you're called. It means God has a purpose for you. It doesn't mean holier than other people or sinless or you've done that great achievement that gets you into the hall of sainthood. Saints just means set apart, um, called. So all you who are loved of God, who trust in Christ, God has something for you. That's going to look different for every person, but it's not, just, it's not just that certificate. I'm now a member of Good Shepherd. I'm now a Christian. I'm this or that. It's like God, God is working in the world and, and invites you to be a part of that. So all of these things, and this is, this is just the thumbnail view of what it means to trust Christ. Remember, Paul's going to write 15 more chapters to go into great detail, but this is, this is the introduction. This is a snapshot of what it means to trust Christ to call him Lord and Savior. He saved me, but he's also my Lord. I want to follow him. This is, this is a, a first snapshot of what that looks like. So I want to offer a, just a, a one-sentence overview and summary um, of what the resurrection means for us. It's this, that God has shown you and me in Christ, he's demonstrated it to us, that you are loved, you are wanted, and you are invited to participate in God's work in the world. And that work is rich and varied. We've, we've talked about it for months and years. God who is just and loving and compassionate um, calls us to be part of his work in the world. Um, 
So we're going to keep, in the next few weeks, we're going to look at a number of the appearances of Jesus after he was raised from the dead and see what he had to say to people. And we're going to keep asking this question is what, what difference does the resurrection, does Easter make in the life of someone who, who believes in Christ, um, who trusts in Christ, who would follow Jesus? What does that look like? So I invite you to come back for more um, or keep reading in Romans or do both. But let me pray with us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us that teaches us about you and about uh, our, our existence and purpose in the world. Would you, would you gift us, grace us with, um, with faith and with understanding and with the desire to, to follow after Christ and be a part of what you're doing in the world. Open our eyes to what you're doing in the world that we might honor you. Um, and serve you by loving and serving others. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.